Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Back in the Old Testament to chapter 6, Proverbs. Kind of began with verse 12 and read through verse 19. The title of the message this morning is Seven Things God Hates. I was listening to a preacher on the radio the other morning as I was traveling to work. I'd already prepared this sermon some time ago. He said there were 11 things, and probably I could find them if I went through the scripture to find four others, but we will find seven things listed here in the book of Proverbs that I want to use for the basis of the message this morning. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. In order to help you understand, the word froward can easily be translated worthless. So if you think of that, you'll see that word several times in the scripture today. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward or a worthless mouth. He waketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Here are the list of seven things. In verse 17, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among his brethren. We'd like for you to go over to the book of Matthew. Hold your finger there, if you will to Matthew chapter 5. You will recognize that as the place that we find the Beatitudes. Not read the Beatitudes, but I want to notice a contrast between which we have just read and what our Lord says in the book of Matthew, the very first portion of his sermon. And this list could be described as a list of things that God loves as compared to the list of things that God despises. There are nine in this list. We'll not read them all, but I want to go down through them. I want you to notice them. In verse 3, he loves those who are poor in spirit. Verse 4, they that mourn. Verse 5, the meek. In verse 6, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. In verse 7, 
he loves the merciful. In eight, the pure in heart. In nine, the peacemakers. In ten, those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. And in verse 11, he says that men shall revile you and persecute you and do all manner of evil falsely against you for my sake. So he loves those who are persecuted. All right. Considering the fact, back in Proverbs, we actually have two lists. We have, first of all, in verses 12, 13, and 14, a list of people that the Lord does not like. A naughty person, a wicked person, a person with a worthless mouth, one who says something with his eyes and his feet and his hands that he really doesn't mean. You know that person that sort of winks at you, meaning I really didn't mean that, although I just said it. Uh, he despises or he does not like in verse 14 those that uh, have worthlessness in their heart, those that devise mischief continually, and those that sow discord. Let me read that particular passage, if I might, from the Living Bible to put it in perspective. Follow in your King James, if you will, verses 12, 13, and 14, when he says, Let me describe for you a worthless and a wicked man. First, he is a constant liar. He signals his true intentions to his friends with his eyes and feet and fingers. Next, his heart is full of rebellion, and he spends his time thinking of all the evil he can do and stirring up discontent, but he will be destroyed suddenly, broken beyond hope of healing. Well, we go back to Psalm 101, and we can find a, another passage very similar, just a few pages back from where you are in Proverbs to Psalm 101. He is describing here both good and evil that he finds in men. And David is doing the talking and describing himself and how he will relate to the Lord. And in this psalm in verse 2, David resolves that when he says, I will behave myself wisely. Later on in that same verse, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart, talking about how he will be in his own household. Verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I will not look upon anything that is evil, he is saying. He goes on to say, and I will hate the work of them that turn aside, that is, those that turn away from good and talk about evil. In verse 4, we find that throwward word again, a worthless heart shall depart from me, he says. Verse 5, whoever privately, and that's the word privately from the Old English, who will behind someone's back uh, slander his neighbor. 
He talks about, also in verse 5, those that have a high look and a proud heart. Down in verse 7 he speaks, he says, He that worketh deceit shall not dwell in my house, David referring to himself, he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. So we find in all of these particular passages of Scripture, both that which the Lord loves and that which the Lord hates. Who is this wicked person, this ungodly individual that the Lord talks about, that he will despise, that he will hate? I think we can sum it up in five words or phrases there in verses 12 through 14 of chapter 6 in Proverbs. The Lord despises a froward mouth. The Living Bible calls that a constant liar. The Lord will despise a constant liar. Number two, the Lord will despise those who wink or shuffle with their feet. In other words, the Lord will despise those who are deceptive. Three, the Lord will despise those who have a heart that is full of rebellion. Four, those that are mischief makers who are always running around trying to see how much trouble they can cause. And five, the Lord despises those who sow discord amongst the brethren. Now, let's go to those seven points that he points out in verses 16 through 19 here of this particular chapter and use them for the comments this morning. The uh, writer of Proverbs, very likely Solomon, the wisest man of all the world, son of David, says there are six things that the Lord hates. And then he changes his mind and says, no, there are seven. If I can liberally interpret that, seven are an abomination unto him. They, he abhors seven things. And he begins with saying, he abhors a proud look. That individual who thinks that he or she is better than anybody else, who will accept nobody for what they are, but expects everybody to measure up to their standards. Those people who are somewhat puffed up and egotistical, self-sufficient, always right. This type of individual God hates. And we find that in some churches. There are some denominations that I think, in my own opinion, and it is that only, who are very bad about it in, in believing that God likes them and them only and despises anybody else. Do you know that in the mind of some churches we are despised as Baptists because we don't adhere to their particular interpretation of the Scriptures? But this is true. So number one, God is very much in the business of hating those individuals or those groups who think that they're the only ones around, the only ones right, that there is no room for looking at or considering any other possible interpretation. 
of the scripture or of what God wants. Secondly, he says that God hates a lying tongue. Did you ever wonder why it is that people lie? What possible reason could there be for lying? Let me suggest five reasons. These did not originate with me. I have gleaned them from some other reading. I don't think we can find them particularly in the scripture. That could be exactly pointed out, but let me suggest five reasons that possibly why people lie. And one is, some people lie because it's fun. That is, they think it's fun. You've heard the sick jokes. Well, there are sick lies, which people get some kind of pleasure out of in, in spreading an untruth. And they muse at it and smile at it and all the time knowing that it's not true but it brings them great delight to tell a lie. So it's fun in some people's minds to lie. Secondly, some people do it because they really enjoy creating mischief. I've known some of those. I used to have some of them when I taught school uh, that really took great pleasure in seeing how much confusion they could make by telling something that was just a little bit off. It might have some element of truth in it, but for the most part it was not true and they could always say that they did not lie because it was just enough to, uh, in their own mind, in their own heart, to get them by and say, I really didn't. But they like to create mischief and lies will do that. Number three, there are those who lie because it promotes their own reputation. Consider that a moment and you realize that many people lie because it will build themselves up in the eyes that people believe them of other individuals who promote their own reputation. Fourthly, some people lie to tear down others' reputation. And one way to build up one's own reputation is to tear down another's reputation. It gets the attention of ourselves if we can put the attention upon somebody else. And fifthly, it is an easy way to conceal for a while one's own faults. Because as long as we deny that we did it, we seemingly are believed. Our people who are caught in, in uh, scams of one nature or another in politics always deny their guilt. Have you noticed that? Until proven guilty. They will always deny that guilt until proven guilty. So they were lying all the time that they were doing it. So this is politics, they say, but I don't believe that. That is simply the devil at work in the midst of our political situation amongst people. So the second thing that we can find that God hates are those who spread lies. Thirdly, God hates those who shed innocent blood, he says. And I want you to notice, I'm not going to spend time on this one this morning because I think it probably would take more time than we have. He says those who shed innocent blood, that's murder. There is some indication throughout the scripture that God approves of capital punishment. I'm not going to deal with that this morning. 
simply to point out that there are many people who believe that the scripture authorizes capital punishment, that is, the destruction of those who are guilty of that for which they have been condemned, such as murder or some of the other things that, uh, that cause people to, uh, to be in that particular situation. All right, number four, he says that he hates those who plot evil, whose minds are full of trying to figure out how they can bring the downfall of other people into existence. You know, this happens in the Sunday, the Saturday morning cartoons that our kids watch. It's been a long time since I've watched cartoons much. But during this summer, when our grandson was visiting with us and he wanted to watch Saturday morning cartoons, I discovered that I was becoming very uncomfortable in some of them that he was watching. Because I began to see the subtle influence of devil worship being put into those cartoons. May the force be with you. Have you seen this sign? It means up with the horns of the devil and down with the Holy Trinity. Don't ever use it. That's the sign of demon worship. A salute. And it's also with the left hand, if I understand it right. And yet our country is being bombarded with those who are plotting and planning for our destruction because they know the way to overcome the power of the United States is through our children who will grow up believing that this stuff is right and good and mom and dads are old-fashioned. I would suggest to you that even the cartoons that are watched on Saturday morning ought to be scrutinized as to what their purpose is. And maybe we ought to sit down and watch them a while. And I became very uncomfortable when I began to see some of the programs on the normal evening that I would pay no attention to and probably would be playing that I had to turn off now that I had a grandson sitting there. But I know when he said to me, but I get to watch that at home, that my daughter has not well trained her children in what to watch and not watch. And she and I will have a conversation about that. You can bet your boots on that. Because my grandchildren are being allowed to watch, as many of yours are probably as well, things that ought not to be ever even suggested to their minds that are coming through our television programs and a lot of the other trash that, that we have in magazines and what have you. Plotting for the overthrow of the church is being done by the world through putting evil thinking into the minds and hearts, not only of our kids, but of adults as well. Fifthly, he hates feet that run to mischief. It's not just kids that run to mischief. 
we're allowing so much of it to go on in our world today. I think pornography is one of the worst plagues that has hit our country, and probably we as a church have done little, if anything, to speak up against it. With few isolated exceptions to that, we have kept quiet. And our radio programs and television programs are scrutinizing anybody that might possibly have anything to say about God or the Bible and allowing every other kind of filth to go on because it's supposed to be freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Matthew 12, 35 says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. What is good in this world comes out of the heart. And I think it behooves us as Christian people to question our motives and our purposes in what we do because our heart is opened up and revealed for what it is based upon what we do and upon what we say. A good man or a good woman will produce good things and those who do not produce good things the scripture says God hates because their feet are running to do mischief and then he says he hates those who bear false witness you know that's perjury Exodus 20:16 says thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor but it is very common in our society today inside and outside the church for people to state that which is not true about each other who have no personal, first-hand knowledge of the subject. And we go around bearing false witness. And the scripture says God hates that. Our witness is to be for Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8 He shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Samaria and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. And then lastly, he says he hates those that sow discord amongst the brethren. Not discord out in the general population, but discord amongst the brethren. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This was one of the problems that the early church began to face that has never ceased to be and that is the unwillingness of people to live together in unity within the church. I'm not speaking particularly of an individual organization such as ours or others. I'm talking about those who believe in Jesus Christ in this denomination or others but certainly within any local congregation that there must be unity and God hates those that sow discord. 
Proverbs 16.28 says, A froward, there's the word froward again, which means worthless. A worthless man soweth strife, and a whisper separateth chief friends. How many of you have ever lost your best friend because somebody whispered something? And you got into an argument which should never have been because somebody suggested in hushed voices, did you hear about her, about him, what he did, what she said? And the word gets back and friends are destroyed because someone sowed strife. God hates all of these things. You know, one of the things that struck me as I looked at the list, the thing that struck me was the number of things that don't show up in the list. Only seven items. Only seven items. And I began to think of all of those things had I been writing this that I would put it in the list, I would have put in the list. And I suspect that you can come up with a tremendous number of things that you would put in the list, but God didn't put them there. He may not be happy with them. He may not appreciate them. He may wish that we did other things and guide us in other directions, but when it comes to hate, he only lists these seven that he utterly despises. I think the bottom line is that we within the church can do no less than God in making our list and add no more to the list than God has put in it for what we ought to hate, what we ought to love, how we ought to treat each other, our brothers and sisters throughout the land in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Eternal Father, our God, we come face to face with so many dilemmas in our life as to how we ought to act, what we ought to do, what we ought to say. Sometimes we find ourselves in a position of knowing that you must hate us because we don't measure up to your word, to your will. Lord, help us to do that. Search our hearts and our minds. And do only that which would cause you to love us. We beg your forgiveness for those things which would not make us lovable. If there is anyone in this congregation this morning who needs to make a decision, Lord, to rededicate your life to you, become a part of this fellowship, be saved if they're not so. May this be the time that we do that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing just two verses of a number because we cutting the service a bit short because of our uh, business meeting. If you have a decision to make, I'd like for you to come forward and do so. Make that known as we stand together. Number what? 63. Number 63. Let's stand together as we sing. Thank you.
lady standing beside me. Her name is Shirley Eldridge. She likes to be called Sweetie. I've had uh, three conversations with Sweetie in the last couple of weeks. Two this week. One was later last evening. We're on the parking lot. Been concerned about her relationship with the Lord. Me that she was saved, she was baptized, she brought her baptism certificate last night to prove to me that she was back in 1983. She's been here a little while in our midst. You may never have recognized her. She's been in Bible school and she's been in Bible school and had some impact upon her. In my discussion with her, very firm to tell me she's saved, but she wants to be a part of this country. She's a member right now of the Madison Church of Christ. We had conversations about the difference in the teaching of the Church of Christ and Baptist. I'm going to understand the words that he said. Which is one of the surprising things she said that morning, so I knew she was going to do it. She just didn't know that. But I didn't have to say it. And George and Lord had our conversations. But I'm pleased to present her to you this morning. And on her behalf, I recommend her to this church as our newest member. It's a pleasure. I want to give someone to move and receive her by the good state of her experience, the demonstration of her baptism that she has given evidence to us. Do I get this motion? I move to accept her on her. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.